Hallelujah. God is good. When you test and you see that God is good, you will want to stay. Or there will be times when you say, I want to give up. But when you look at the evidence of God's goodness in your life, you are going to say, forget it. I'm here to stay. Amen? And I, and I assure you, you will reach those times. Those times come when things that are happening in your life seem to suggest that God has gone away. He doesn't care about you. That God has forgotten. But I'm here to tell you that the Lord is good. And he knows how to take care of his very own. Hallelujah. He knows how to take care of his own. Sometimes it looks like God has wasted an opportunity in your life or he's wasting your life. But trust me, when I look at the scriptures, and we're going to look at that in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, that sometimes God seems to, like somebody said, waste the saints. People that you would not want to go to heaven seem to go when you need them the most. But in his wisdom, I can assure you that God does not waste there's no wastage in his economy. Remember, the time when he fed uh, the multitude, they collected basketfuls of leftovers. God does not like to waste. Amen? He does not like to waste. And I think only the country of Israel knows how to recycle water. Those people recycle water and they recycle it and they recycle it productively. When you flush water down the toilet in Israel, don't think it's going straight to the sewage. They recycle it, they make fertilizer out of it, they, they do all sorts of kind of things with it. And Israel is one of the leading uh, producers of citrus fruits exporting to the rest of Europe. Israel is in a desert. Because they know what to do with waste. Or what we call waste. That's not in the sermon today, wherever that came from. But we are looking at the evidence of God's goodness. And part two, we are going to be looking at the unchanging character of God. The unchanging character of God. Aren't you glad that God's character does not change? Aren't you glad? Because I know of a certain God in a certain religion who after you have served him so faithfully on earth and you get to heaven, even their own book says he will decide, um, I don't know whether you go to heaven. You decide then, despite the trust you put in him. But our God makes us so confident that we are going to spend eternity with him. He's not going to change on the whim of the moment and say, hmm, brother Charles, I think I've just changed my mind. You're not staying with me in heaven, you're going to hell. That, that's not our God. The unchanging character of God. Now let us just do a little recap. Last week, we were looking at evidence. And we saw that evidence in the court of law is data that is presented to a court or to a jury in proof of the facts that are needed in that issue that is being um, discussed. This may include the testimony of witnesses. It may include records. We talked about how signatures can indict you and say, okay, is this your signature? Yes, okay, so it means you, you agreed with what you signed. 
said yes okay so then they start asking you questions from there looking for loopholes of 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 evidence of of um, of something or not something i don't know one of the people who was teaching me in, in terms of how to handle finances in a, in, a, in an organization he told me don't ever sign off anything without reading it and I, I still do that to this day and it drives some people mad because for some people it's like, just sign here. You know, just sign here and we'll be done with it. I said, no, 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 no. I want to know what I'm signing my life away to. Because later on, I can't just say, I just signed because I needed to sign. They say, when you are signing, it means you understood exactly what you are doing. Documents, objects, it can be evidence. Alright? I... I I have got evidence that a certain weight loss diet does not work. Because when I went on it not too long ago, I was faithful to it. And my wife kept saying, you are gaining weight. Are you sure this thing works? You know, I'm wearing my suits. I'm, 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 I'm on this weight loss thing and I'm exercising. And it seems like I'm gaining weight, more weight than I'm losing. The evidence said, you better ditch this thing. And so I did. Because the object, this body, is telling me, dude, it's going the other way around. It's not where you want to go. That's evidence. And then? So people want evidence to prove or disprove something. People want it. They want a basis of belief. They want a basis of belief. There was a time... I was in a certain place discussing with someone about time management. And this person said, oh yeah, we were taught time management by so and so. And that so and so happened to be Pastor McDuff. And this person made a statement about him. And I said, no, 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 that's not the one I know. I said, the the, the McDuff you're describing and the one I know, they're very different. So what you're telling me is not based on evidence. Because I've seen him the way he does things. I've seen the way he manages his time. Okay? But based on whatever he had, he had a wrong belief about who this guy is or the way he manages his time. We're looking for a basis for belief. We talked about Thomas who said, unless I put my finger in his hands and on his side, I will not believe you. And many times were very hard on Thomas for doubting. But really what he was looking for was a basis for his belief. After that, Thomas is on fire for the Lord. His story tells us that he was, died, he was, he was killed in India preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want, that time, last week we looked at how Jesus Christ is the greatest evidence for the Lord's goodness to you and me. People, where would we be without the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know what your story is, but all I know is I would have been long dead by now. Or terribly sick, dying. I would have been a lot of other things that I don't want to be. Life is much better with Jesus Christ. And we saw that God gave Jesus Christ to us as a demonstration for his love. True love gives. True love demonstrates. God chose to be with us. We saw that from Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 to 23. That the very name that he gave to Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, means God with us. God chose to be with us. God made us to be his children. 
God wants to be with us where he is right now in heaven. God has given us his spirit so that we may be free from fear. Healing rain is falling down. I'm not afraid. Why is fear so linked to healing? Because healing is linked to sickness. And where sickness is, people are afraid of death. But God has given us his spirit that we should be free from fear. Free from bondages. God has spoiled us with his love. Amen. God has spoiled us with his love. He has lavished his love upon us. We saw that in 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 and 2. And in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, we, told, we saw that he has the power of saving those who believe in him. But you can only experience these things and more when you personally know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Before you know Jesus Christ and Savior and Lord, you are God's person. You are included in the group of God's people. So the grace of God that you experience is the rain falls in your field as well, just like it does on the field of the wicked. Uh, you experience the sunlight just like Somebody who doesn't care about God right now is experiencing the sunlight. You're experiencing the, the same kind of grace that is more or less general grace. But when you are in Christ, it moves. You become his child. And I was giving the example of saying, there is no way that Allah will come to me and ask for school fees. It just won't happen. Do I love Tadala? Yes. Amen. Would I want to help her with school fees? Yes. But she has no basis of coming to me to ask for school fees. If she does that, this is what I will exactly do. I'll pick up the phone and call her dad and say, As you believe, what's going on? Your daughter came to me asking for school fees. You know why? Because he is the father. I am not. Amen? But she benefits from me being a pastor, ministering. Just like everybody benefits. So God gives us that privilege of being his children. Which is why we can go to him and say, Abba, Father. And we present our petitions to him. And we can worship him. And we can say we are partakers of the kingdom of God because we are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. God is good. When he gave Jesus Christ, God gave his all. And trust me, there's no other Jesus Christ coming again from God. This is the only one. You miss this bus, the next time he's going to come, he's not coming as a lamb. He's going to come much more to conclude the case. So today, we're looking at the unchanging character of God and why that is good for us. The unchanging character of God. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. We find Moses is in conversation with God. And uh, God has told him, I want you to go to Egypt 
where you're going to save my people from the bondage of slavery. And Moses, you remember, has got all these uh, excuses. Listen, you cannot give excuses and exceed. Either you exceed or you give excuses. So God has told him, you need to go. And Moses had plenty of reasons for not going. He was a stammerer. He had killed somebody in Egypt. He was a murderer on the run. He was a fugitive from the law. And God comes and says, I want you to go back. This, this is what I'm going to do with you. And, and, and Moses is almost saying, God, did, uh, is everything okay with you? Because don't you remember my record in Egypt? And God says, you go. And it is within this conversation, we pick it up in verse 13. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Says, how, how, how do I answer that when they are looking for proof? Verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you, me to you. That's what you're going to say. That's the identity you're going to go with. The very fact that you're going to mention my name, you are saying, I am coming in the name of this person. And the name has got authority. A name has got authority. There are certain names which when you use, things begin to move. You know that. There are certain names which when you, when, when you say them, when you say so and so has sent me, things begin to move. That, that's what God is doing with, with Moses here. He's saying, tell them that the I am has sent me. And he knew that the children of Israel would understand. Because in English it is I am, but in Hebrew it is a totally different story. It is a name reserved for Yahweh. And we call it Yahweh, but really there's no A, there's no E in that name. It's just Y-W-H. Pronounce that. But they understood that, oh, it's the Lord God of our fathers who has sent this man. I am who I am is a name that transcends time. It cuts through time. And God is saying, I am the one who is. God created time for us, not for himself. The same God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, is the same one who has sent me. When you use this name, they will understand. If you receive an invitation and it says it has pleased his excellency trust me it may be a thin person that has been sent to give you that invitation but you will understand that the head of state is requiring my presence okay put your finger there and go to John chapter 8 verse 58 something is happening John chapter 8 Verse 58. 
Jesus is talking with the Pharisees. Favorite audience. Let's go back to verse 56. Because Jesus is making some claims about him being one with God. And he says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. And the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Very logical, isn't it? At this point, Jesus must have been around 32 or thereabouts. So they are asking him, you have not seen Abraham. You are not even yet 50 years old. And yet, you are claiming that you have seen Abraham. What's going on here? But Jesus is making himself equal with God and he stamps it by the next statement that he makes in verse 58. He said, it says, Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham I was, I am. The same name that Moses gave was given by God. It's the same name. So Jesus is saying, that one, who spoke to Moses? That one is me. Now look what happens next. They took up stones to throw stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. What happens? Be- why did they do that? Because they understood that Jesus was claiming to be Yahweh. He was claiming to be God. He's claiming to be the I am. We see that connection? That's why when you read in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul makes a statement that says that it was Jesus who was leading the children of Israel in the desert. When he talks about the angel of the Lord leading the children of Israel, pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day, it was Jesus. It was God. Now, don't go to town on me about the Trinity and so on. I've tried to understand it. it I have, I've left it there and they have just accepted and said, God is God. Okay? But God is one. <laughs> he is the same God. And when you go into the book of Revelation, you, you understand that Jesus in glory is still the I am. He is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Why do we need to understand that? Because when we come to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, there is a statement made there of truth, a statement of fact, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is the same God. He's the same. He does not change. John Moen sings and says, there is no shadow of turning with God. You will never go back to God and say, God, you promised me this. And he says, me? No, that day I was having a bad day. I just said it. Oh, I was joking. But that's not God. The promises he has given us are yes and amen. Whether it was yesterday, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow or next week or forever. It's the same God. 
You know, people change. People change. We change. There was a time I had hair. Lots of it. I did to my hair, to my hair what some of the young men are doing to their hair here today. These days I go to the barber shop and I just sit there and I don't even tell the barber anything. He knows what to do. One time I went to a new barber, I sat there and, and he asks, I was like, <laughs> what, what can you do with this hair? Take it all off. I, I can't do these things. Because there are parts missing now. There are patches of empty, which I learned a few weeks ago that they are called solar panels now. But we change. There was a time it was no issue for me to jog 10 kilometers every Saturday. I'll do it happily. These days, I do some high impact exercises in the comfort of my veranda. It works. Thank you very much. Because as you grow older, you realize, hey, I'm changing. Brother shared a song with me during the week. And I've been listening to that song. I've been listening. That song is sung by a 19-year-old Christian. But it took me back. And I'm saying, where did my zeal for the Lord go? Because when I was young, my zeal for the Lord was much more fiery. Huh? This one you see is a toned-down version. This is like Sunganani 3.0 maybe. I don't know. But we change. There were times somebody says something to me. It's something that would make me angry. People would know. This one is angry because I had a temper. These days, somebody does something to me. I'm, I'm surprised at myself. I just go, oh, okay. that's what they say. Yeah. Okay. No, I've heard. And it ends there. And people are saying, what are you, you're not going to do anything? But you see, as time goes, you learn which battles to fight, which ones to live. And you know how to fight which battles. There was a time somebody um, physically abused my son in school, and people were scared of this person. When I went, I found him. He was crying. I said, what's wrong? And he explained. I said, where's the person? He says, I don't know. I said, okay, call your teacher. And the teacher came. And I spoke to the teacher. I said, I would like to meet that boy. And the boy was brought. And I said, if you ever do what you have done to my son again, I will call your parents and I will beat you in their presence. I said that in, in, in front of the teacher. And that was the last time that boy did what he did to my son. Maybe looking back, I would have handled it differently. I might have said some things differently. But we change. That's what we are saying. We change. But our God, the I am who I am, does not change. He has been faithful. He is faithful. He will always be faithful. He is holy. Then he was holy. He is holy now. He will always be holy. Holiness shall never go out of fashion. 
He is our God who is who was just, he is just and he will always be just. He never changes. The promises he made in the past, he fulfilled. There are others which have not been fulfilled, but trust me, he will fulfill them because it is his nature to fulfill his promises. Our God does not change. The character of God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord God, whom we serve, is the same. There are some people you will meet today and you tell them, okay, so who's your pastor? And you say, oh, Pastor Sunganan. And they'll go, Pastor Sunganan. You mean Sunganan Manjol? Yes. He's a pastor. Eh. God changes people. They will tell you. Because what they know about me from back then and that I'm pastoring now is different. Our God is the same. He does not change. He never changes. And he never will. And that is good news for us. Because God will always be dependable. Hallelujah. It means God will always be faithful. It means God will always be loving to us. It means God will always be holy. It means God will always be just. He will always be righteous. He will always be good to us. No matter what we're going through. God will always be God. So, whatever you're going through, can you let God be God in your life? Because he is a trusted anchor. He doesn't shift. All other ground is sinking sand. But our God, the one we trust in, does not change. Twenty-nine years I've been walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. I have changed a lot. He hasn't. He's the same God. Put your trust in him. So we have the unchanging character of God. On the other hand, I want you to know that what, whatever we go through, God's character remains unchanged. Before we go to the, to the other part, let me come back to something I said last week. The unchanging character of God is what gave David confidence to say these words. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Emphasis mine. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Look at that phrase, all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy. The goodness and mercy are coming from God. Alright? So he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Question, how many were the days of David's life? 
The answer is still there. Is there, class? How many were the days of his life? Had he lived them all at this point when he was saying this? He hadn't. So what gives him the confidence that goodness that comes from the Lord and mercy that comes from the Lord shall follow him all the days of his life? What gives him that confidence? I want to submit to you that he made such a sweeping statement because he had seen the character of God in the past. He had seen the goodness of the Lord when he was fighting the bear and he was fighting the lion and he was, he was up against Goliath and he was up against Abimelech and the Philistines and he was up against his son Absalom and he was up against all these things. All these things make him to say, this far, God has been good. This far, God has been merciful. Ha, I am convinced that his goodness... And his mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. All of them. Even though I haven't lived them, all of them. His, his goodness and mercy shall follow me. Because he had proved that God's character is unchanging. Hallelujah. And that gave me hope. To say the God I believe in, I can trust him for tomorrow. David had experienced the unchanging character of God. Who was David? David was once a teenager. Went through all the things that teenagers go through. David was somebody who was forgotten. Remember when they, were, they came to, 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 when Samuel came to anoint king? He, he was forgotten. They said, we are finished. Samuel, what you came to do, we're done. And Samuel kept saying, no. The, the Lord is saying, I haven't anointed the king. His own father. David's own father. Oh, there is one. Have, have you ever been forgotten? He knew what it was like to be forgotten. David is the same guy who walks into battle and defeats Goliath. Goliath. He's the same guy who goes with his band of, of, of rugged men and rough into battle and he comes back having slayed the thousands. And, and David is the same guy who experiences abuse, torture from his own boss, Saul, for doing a good job. Maybe torture is, is even, it, it doesn't describe the word. Because when your boss throws a spear at you, that, that's something else. David is the guy who had to live in caves just to survive because his king was after him. And the king had all his resources at his disposal. And he had to maintain a relationship with his best friend who was the son of the king. Jonathan knew this guy is going to become king. He could have easily said, no, wait a minute. My father is king. I'm next in line. Let me deal with this guy. Through all those things, when, when David had his, his, his affair with Bathsheba, when he plotted to kill Bathsheba's husband and finally succeeded, the lies and everything, by the end of the day, David says, I know God is the same. He will not change. 
That is why David, when there was a plague that came upon the land of Israel, because he had numbered the, the, the fighting men of Israel, and God was displeased, God gave him options and said, either you fall at my hand or at the enemy's hand or a famine, I think. And, 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 and David said, I would rather be punished by you, God, because I know you are merciful. It's a funny thing. You spank your child, where do they go to cry? Right there on your laps. Because they know this one will not kill me. They have inflicted pain, it hurts, but they cry right there on your laps. I'd never figured that one out. But now I think I understand. They know it's better to be spanked by my father than to be spanked by somebody else because the others may not have mercy. That's another story. But I'm just demonstrating the unchanging nature of God and how we can be so confident to trust in him. Regardless of the fact that our circumstances change. So now I want to look at the changing nature of our circumstances. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. We talk this verse a lot. I will read from the NIV, then I'll read from the easy-to-read version, and then I'll read from the New King James Version. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Alright. From the NIV. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. In how many things? All things. Are all things good? No. We go through stuff. The easy to read version says, We know that in everything. And everything means everything. God works for the good of those who love him. These are the people God chose because that was his plan. You set your heart upon loving God. He will make sure that whatever happens in your life, God will work for the good of you. And we go through painful stuff in life. Betrayal, sickness, death. We go through some nice things in life as well. Birth, marriage, wedding, friendships. In all those things, God says, I will work for the good of you. New King James Version. Verse 28 says this way. And we know that in sorry, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I want to challenge you. Love God. 
And whatever else you go through, you can be sure that God will turn those things around for your good, for his glory, according to his purpose. So when we stand here and we sing, I can see that everything is turning around for my good. You better believe it. Because we have an unchanging God within the changing circumstances we find ourselves in. Circumstances will always change. Trust me. There was a time when a pharaoh who did not know Joseph rose up in Egypt. He is the one who put them in bondage. Circumstances change. They came to Egypt with the blessing of the pharaoh who knew Joseph. But after a while, another one rises up. One who did not know Joseph. Because if he knew, he wouldn't have mistreated them the way he did. Circumstances change. People change. People change. You'll be asking yourself, is this the same person? Are you sure this is the same person? Adam and Eve had the perfect environment. People, how perfect can it be? You are just, boom, an adult. No teething problems. No peer pressure as a teen. You're just there. The blessing of God. They didn't have to receive Christ. They didn't have to sin or whatnot. They had conversation with God every day. Perfect environment. You don't worry about food or it's cold or this wind. Uh-uh, they were okay. They didn't have to worry about what you're going to wear. Their bathing suits were fine. It was working just fine. Perfect environment. But they still blew it. Even with the presence of God, they still blew it. They lost it. But God, in his mercy, defended them. God still provided a way out. He made clothing out of leaves. This is the first designer job ever. Which was intended, by the way, to cover nakedness, not what we see these days. Clothing is supposed to cover. One day I will preach about clothing and dressing, what the Bible says. It's amazing. Every time you dress up, you send a message. It's what I see in scripture. But I digress. God made a way for them. He was merciful to them. Right there in the book of Genesis, he sets up the plan of salvation in motion. You you can never surprise God. You can never checkmate God. He's got it all planned out. No circumstance surprises him. So as long as we're in this world, sin will always spoil the perfect environment. The perfect picture that we put forward for everybody to see, sin will always spoil it. But God will always give us a way out. I've told you about how I used to have a persona on Facebook that surprised my wife. 
She said, you know, the person you are on Facebook, the things you say are really nice. But the man I live with here is totally different. I didn't get it until God did a number on me and changed some things. These days I'm very careful what I post on Facebook. One time I posted a very honest opinion on something. Somebody came to my inbox and said, Pastor, how can you say such things? I look at it and said, I don't see what's wrong with it. This guy, he went to town on me. I ended up blocking him. So now I'm very careful what I post. I think three, four times before I post it. And on Facebook, you can paint a very lovely picture. You go out, like I did last week, me and Bay at the lake, day one. What people don't know is the monster I am to my wife. It can look nice on Facebook. Just be yourself. It's the best you can be. Just be yourself. And you'll be amazed how people will begin to follow you without even asking. That every word that you speak, people are saying, because you are just yourself before God. I'm not saying come off Facebook. I'm just saying there's no perfect picture. There's always a story. There's always a story. But when we look to the Lord, he's able to fix us. Amen? He's able to fix us. He's able to provide a way out. He's able to say, okay, I'll take you out of the garden, but I'm still merciful to you. I'll still provide for you. But Eve said, God has now given me a man when she was naming one of our children. He's still in a relationship with us, even though we mess up. That's the mercy of God. He's unchanging. He hasn't changed. Because truth be said, we shouldn't be here had it not been for the mercy of God. The book of Revelation records that this environment that was tainted in the book of Genesis is restored. Jesus has gone to prepare that place. The only difference this time is there will be no sin. Which is why God wants us to ruthlessly deal with sin. You cannot, let me tell you a story. One guy went to visit a friend on a farm. And he, his friend had so many cows. But one cow stood out really, 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 really unique because it had, uh, it didn't have a leg. One of the legs wasn't there. So he asked, what happened to this cow? He says, oh, you don't understand. This cow is very special. So, so really? Yeah. There was time one of my children fell into the well. This cow rescued that child. He says, really? He said, yes. He says, oh, that's very interesting. But the leg, he says, you don't understand. There was a time there was a storm. This cow went out and herded all the other, all the other cows and brought them back to the barn. And, and we didn't lose any cows in that storm. He said, really? He said, yes. But the leg, you're not explaining about the leg. And the guy says, well, you can't kill a good cow like that all at once. Meaning, they have had to eat it slowly because it's a special cow. 
Sometimes we treat sin like that. You want to kill it slowly. But God says, uh-uh. when it comes to sin, ruthless. Be ruthless with it. That calls for some drastic steps. But you get to understand when Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, what he's saying is the ruthlessness which you are going to deal with sin, the cause of sin, should be, as they say elsewhere, without prejudice. Just go all out and trust God to deal with the rest of it. The book of Revelation records Jesus, the finished work of what heaven is going to be like. We've talked about this from Revelation chapter 20 onwards. According to the word of God, God has not changed. It's the same God who's going to be in that heaven as the same God who walked with Adam and Eve. The same God who walks with us. He still wants to be with us physically. The Bible says there's not going to be any sun because God's glory is going to shine in that place. I mean, can you imagine? You're in heaven and you actually see there goes God. Can you imagine that? And all the things that heaven has for us. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 14, I'll read it quickly. Nebuchadnezzar spoke to the, to the, to the three Hebrew children. He says, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the burning fire furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you? hands. This question still rings today. People asking which God will deliver you out of this in various ways. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar. Now stop there. Nebuchadnezzar was not a nice guy. He was ruthless. He is the guy who when he conquers, let's say, a city, brings out the king or the rulers from the city. Right there and then, he would kill off all the leaders and the heirs to the throne. Right there and then. Only when God agreed, uh, decreed that uh, which king was that? Now I forget. He was taken to, to Babylon. But Nebuchadnezzar was a guy who was very short-tempered. As we shall see. So when they are answering, they, they know the kind of person they are dealing with. They, they knew the kind of person we were dealing with. But this is the answer they gave. It says, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we, do not, we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Let me translate that for you. King, let's not even negotiate. Whether our God saves us or not, we will not serve your gods, we will not bow down to the image. 
and the Bible records that Nebuchadnezzar ordered that the furnace be heated up seven times. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar was following up on his threat that they are going to be tossed. The people who threw them into the fire got burned. And the, the three young teenagers never got burned. Because when the king looked inside, he saw that there was a fourth one who looked like the son of the gods. And he told them to come out. This is the same God who decide whether to heal you or not. You understand? Because there are times when we believe as believers that all healing is physical. But there are times people have gone on to be with the Lord and we have not been able to process what is going on. For his own reasons, he will choose to say, this one goes, this one stays. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood that whether God would save them or not, the God they knew was still worthy of their worship, was still worthy of their praise, was still worthy of their obedience, even on pain of death. And let me tell you, when you have an enemy who does not fear death, the battle becomes difficult and complicated. I've told you the story of Desmond Doss, the, the American uh, guy who went into the army, but he didn't want to use guns. And he got in trouble for it. But he went into battle anyway, after a court battle and so on and so forth. But on the battle, one of the things that comes clear about the Americans, the thing that they couldn't understand, was the Japanese soldiers. These guys kept coming even though they kept dying. You just couldn't shoot them enough, bomb them enough, you couldn't knife them enough. They just kept coming. And one of the, the soldiers was, was telling his friends, you're going to, to that place? He says, yes. He says, hmm. you better be ready because the Japanese, they actually want to die. They go in battle and they want to die. They are unlike us who want to protect ourselves and with all these kind of things that we do in battle. And that's what they encountered. It explains to you the way they thought when you think about Pearl Harbor. It was a one-way ticket. You take off with your plane, you're going to bomb Pearl Harbor, you're not coming back. You run out of fuel, the best thing you can do, pick up an installation of the military of the United States and, and put your plane there. They called it kamikaze. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Even if you kill us, O king, we will not bow. Because we would rather worship our God. People, reach, people who reach this stage, making statements like this, they know something about the character of God. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. This, this one is fascinating. From verse 41. The Bible says, 
Then the Jews complained about him, about Jesus Christ, because he had said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And again, the Jews understand exactly what Jesus is implying. And they said, if, is, this, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourself. Because Jesus is teaching with authority. He is doing things that are, are miraculous and so on and so forth. And, and, you know, sometimes we miss God because of the vehicle he is using. Because of the person he is using. So we say, is, is this not Taonga? The daughter of Auntie Wambui. How can she say this to us? At that very spot, you are missing something God is doing in your life. And, and, and what the person you despise, you cannot be blessed with. This is what is happening here. Now Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws to him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught by God. Therefore, anyone who has heard and learned from me, learned from the Father, comes to me. Verse 46. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. There again, he is equating himself to God. He says, verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Verse 52. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? This is a hard teaching. This man is teaching cannibalism. If he's going to give us his flesh to eat, he is going to die. How gruesome can it be? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life in you. Goodness me. These days they say, You eat his flesh, drink his blood, This preacher has lost it. But he continues. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is food indeed. And my blood is drink indeed. It's like Jesus is, he keeps making the situation worse. This is the kind of stuff that makes followers run away from you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living father has sent me and I live because of the father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your father ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, 
this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? They can't figure it out. Because eating the blood and flesh of Pastor Sunga is just downright illegal. It is ill. It doesn't make sense. And he's equating it to saying when you do that, you will experience eternal life. They say, ah, this is, this is hard. Now when Jesus knew in himself that the disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you again as well? This teaching I've talked about eating flesh and so on. Does it offend you as well? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. Verse 65. Therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. It means if there were 3,000 people following Christ, there were now less than 3,000 people. But they said, the teaching we are getting from this guy now is, 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 is gone elsewhere. We, we can't be involved with this. Eating flesh, drinking blood, eternal life, they just don't mix. They went away. It was a hard teaching. Then Jesus said to the twelve, his core leadership, he says to them, do you also want to go away? Do you also want to leave? Jesus doesn't take down the bar. He doesn't lower the standards. He keeps it there and he puts them right in their face and says, do you want to go away? Because this is what this is all about. But Simon Peter, who else, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Let's stop there. The statement that Peter made is something that he gleaned from being with Jesus. He discovered that the words Jesus Christ was speaking were the source of eternal life. Amen? So even though Peter faltered when he denied Christ three times, but we see him coming back again and preaching the first sermon, 3,000 people received Christ that day. He saw something of the unchanging nature of God and the eternal life that he gives to those who hold on to his words. Hallelujah. We could talk of many other people who chose to follow God in spite of their circumstances. Joseph, perfect example. Joseph seemed to, to be going from better to worse, from bad to worse. That, that was Joseph's life. He was a favorite of his father. It wasn't his choice. His father favored him. His brothers hated him. He is thrown into a pit. Different circumstance. His coat of many colors taken away from him. He is sold 
sold. People gave money, they discussed, they agreed the price, they sold him, they took him as a commodity. Goes into Potiphar's house. Where things change, the circumstances change. He is managing Potiphar's house. Potiphar is, is, is prospering and things are going well. Enter Mrs. Potiphar. Story changes. He's thrown into prison. And the kind of prison was not the usual prison. It was a dungeon. These dungeons were designed to kill off the prisoners. But he stays there. Circumstances change again. He's managing the prison very well. Prisoners have never eaten better. And things are just going very well. But he knows he's still a prisoner. He's, 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 he's not fulfilling what God called him to. Because he knew one day I'm going to be a leader. Forgotten for two years. Now, this is a study in the changing circumstances of life. You can't go any better than Joseph's life. And he ends up before Pharaoh, interpreting a dream, says, this is what you need to do, and so on. And just like that, on a normal day, (laughs) his circumstances change. You would think Joseph didn't have an opportunity to stop worshipping God. But he continues. Whether his circumstances were bad, whether his circumstances were good, he continues to serve God. Because you must understand that Pharaoh was God on earth as far as the Egyptians were concerned. Now for a Jew who chooses to worship his God and not Pharaoh, there's a conflict of interest. Circumstances can easily change. But God made it that Pharaoh had favor on Moses, on Joseph. The circumstances of Mordecai changed. A Jew living in exile. And just like that, because somebody hates hates his people, all of a sudden the circumstances for the Jews change. Mordecai steps in, talks with Esther, an intervention is made, and the Jews have to defend themselves. And the circumstances change again. We could talk about Hannah whose circumstances were really, really hard. She was ridiculed for not having a baby or children. And she prayed to God, and God heard her prayer. Her circumstances changed. And she had other children after Samuel. She continues to serve God. We could talk about Jeremiah. Jeremiah's ministry was very interesting. You give a a, a prophecy from God, and you're thrown into the pit. For giving a true prophecy. You want to be a prophet. These days people rush. And say, I'm prophet so and so. These are hard things. Hosea. Serving God. Just a normal guy. Living a normal day. Serving God normally as he does. Until God says now. I want you to go. To Bandiro. Pick up one of those women along the streets, marry her, and have children. Uh, Lord, what did you say? I said, go and take a halot. Marry her, have children. Called by God. And Hosea can't wrap his head around it because his circumstances are going to change. 
You think it's easy being married to a harlot? Try being married to a, a woman who believes the Lord Jesus Christ. You think it's easy? It's work. It's great, by the way. But it's also work. God takes it a step up and he says, I want you to marry somebody who doesn't even care about me. What they do in life is totally against my word. I want you to marry those ones. And Hosea's circumstances changed because the wife he married was indeed a harlot. And God says, I'm doing this because I want to show the children of Israel their unfaithfulness to me. But think about Hosea's circumstance. Abusa Jadani. Your circumstances will change because your family will not understand. Oh, by the way, that was a one-off. Don't say, e, I'm like Hosea, so it doesn't matter. Uh-uh, that was a one-off. Don't twist scripture. <laughs> Stephen. Powerful guy ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church had just been born and he's preaching and he was powerful. Even the people who were his enemies could not stand his preaching. And they, they weave themselves around and bring false witnesses. And Stephen is stoned to death. But even while he's dying, like his master, he forgives those who are stoning him to death. What? Who does that? Somebody who had seen God stand up and say, welcome. Somebody who had known God in a different way. The unchanging nature of God. Such that what the circumstances are around you don't move you. They may shake you a little bit, but they don't move you. Paul, the one who gave us the scripture. That all things who work for the good, for those who love God. We could talk about John Huss. I like the story of John Huss. John Huss is the guy who was burnt at the stake for his belief in Christ, and he was singing as he was burning. Those are not good circumstances. But they continued steadfast before the Lord. And there are so many others we could talk but these people, many of them, their, 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 their stories remain unpublished. I want you to go into uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Just put it down in your notes. Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to start from the first verse of Hebrews chapter 11 to the last verse. You will see people who were promised by God and they were sure God has spoken, I will have a child, I will have descendants, as, ma- as many as the multitudes of the, of the stars. But he was 90 years old, 75 years old. And it took another 25 years before that child came. He saw what God had promised. But in the other half of chapter 11, you see people who are running away, hiding in caves for their faith. They were sown. Ah, sown is gruesome because somebody took a saw. You know a saw. Huh? The Bible records that they were sown in two for their faith in Christ. 
But one thing remains. They saw and experienced the character of God. This character of God is revealed in the word of God to us. It's impressed upon us by the spirit of God. And it's validated in our lives and in history to those who choose to live by faith. Amen? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Those who come to God must believe that he is. And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. But the good thing is when you look for him, when you seek for him, you will find him. He will avail himself to you. And you will begin to experience God in ways that you've never thought of before. And you will say, come and see that the Lord is good. So we have no excuse. There's a great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us that basically knock out every excuse that we would ever have for not loving God. If you have to go away with one thing today, let it be this. God's character never changes. And because of that, you can trust, you can believe, you can rely on him no matter what you go through in life because circumstances change. Amen? Circumstances change. And if you are smart, even through the circumstances, the hard ones especially, cling to God. Because when you do, you say like David and say, it was good that I was afflicted. Because when I was afflicted, the word of God preserved me. When, when, when life is hard, that's when we get to know who we really are. I was telling my wife today, I said, you know, not long ago, I never used to really hustle as a man should, as a husband should. Because there was always help. I have family that really looks out for each other. We, we just throw in and say, oh, I will help that, I will help that. The people who have, and I'm thankful to the Lord for that. But over the past few years, God put me in a place where he was saying, you are the husband, you are the father. Hustle. And there was no help. Now I understand a few things about being a responsible father, being a responsible husband, which I would not have understood had affliction not come into my life. And through it all, I understand that God was training me. Through it all, I understand what God was doing in my life. Through it all, I understood that it was the same God who said, I will be with you, I will not forsake you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. When the high waters come, they will not sweep you off. It was the same God. Amen? So yes, I want you to prosper. I want you to do well. But I want you to understand that circumstances change. They will come. They will squeeze you. And when life gives you a lemon, what do you do? You make lemonade. Somebody said, when life gives you a lemon, you squeeze that lemon right back into life's eyes. 
But God, God wants you to make those circumstances and, and, and work it out all for your good. And in many of the tough circumstances, we look like we have lost and we do lose. Amen? But by the end of the day, God comes out with something that makes you go, had I not gone through this, then that wouldn't have happened. And now I understand that God is good, that he preserved me, that God was taking me from here to there. Amen. The unchanging character of God is his evidence in our lives. Evidence of his goodness in our lives. Amen? God is unchanging and he loves us. He will never stop. The unchanging character of God is what I want us to go away and think about today. And we begin to appreciate that the fact that God is unchanging, even within this pandemic situation, do you know people are afraid? They are so afraid. I was talking to one lady yesterday as I was checking out. I said, hey, you're you're in a mask, you're in a sweater, and you are working. She said, I have to work. But if I had a choice, I would want to stay home because I'm afraid of this thing. It's a very good opportunity to share the gospel and say, you know what? Even if COVID hits you, you may recover. You may be one of those that recover. Okay? That's good. Even if it hits you and you're one of those who pass on to eternity, you'll be with Christ. And you can tell your story. I tell you, the harvest is plentiful right now. But the laborers are few. So I want you to know that yesterday we have been praying, Lord, can you send people from KICC into the harvest? Whether it's your WhatsApp status or Facebook story or war or whatever it is, whether it's Instagram, can you use that to share about the unchanging character of God no matter what life hands our way? Because that unchanging nature of God is what people are looking for. And we have that God. Amen? And if Christ is the biggest evidence of his goodness to us, let's share that goodness with others. Amen? Tell people, oh, we are on Facebook stream live, listen, and we'll be sharing the gospel right now. Who knows which life you're going to help change for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Next week, it will be part three. The evidence of God's goodness in our life. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father and our God, thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your mercy. Your goodness and your mercy that will be with us all the days of our life. They will never leave. They will never forsake us at any point. Because we have seen you work in the past. We have seen you work now. And we know you work in the future. The fact that you are unchanging means, oh God, that you are dependable. You are faithful all the time. 
will never leave us nor forsake us. There is no shadow of turning with you. We say, thank you, God. Help us to pick up those opportunities to minister this truth with others who, especially at this time, are fearful, others who are weary. We're praying especially in the front lines of this pandemic, oh God. Grant them your strength. Recharge them, oh God. It's overwhelming. We pray in Jesus' name that you cover them with yourself. Cover them with your family. Have mercy upon them, O Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, O God, for this word that you have spoken to us today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's children say, Amen. Amen. Um, Has anyone brought a tithe? I just want to pray with you. Okay. So I'm thinking I should have just prayed at home. <laughs> God is good. Um, let's just pray for the tithe and, and offerings that we have. Everybody raise up your, your offering. We'll just do all of them together. Father, thank you for your word.